Welcome to today's episode. You guys were so excited. We have Casey Wilson, who's an actress and also an author. And currently you can see her on The Shrink Next Door. Has nothing to do with our podcast, by the way. And (laughs) it was so exciting because she's famous, which was big for, I don't know, for us. But she also is so down to earth and so kind and so easy to talk to. It's kind of nice when you meet someone who you see on TV, but also is as lovely in person as you hope that they are. The second piece that was really fun for Caroline and I specifically was that this is Amanda's best friend from childhood and still they're very close friends. So we got to watch the two of them interact and get a little extra dirt on Amanda, which is always a plus for Caroline and I. (laughs) Yeah, for (laughs) sure. No, I feel like it was just so lovely and it is, you know, it's really fun to see someone who you're close to, like interact with someone that they're close to, but that you don't know. Like, I think that's always just an interesting dynamic and I can totally see why you guys are such close friends because you're very similar. It made me want to sit in a room with them and just watch the two of them because they're both funny and quick. And so it was like, yes, half the episode, I just felt like I had to remind myself to keep talking. When we were 11, we recorded this radio show called ANC Radio. When is and it is, I guess it's the original podcast that we've ever had, That's right? right. Is, Casey is the funniest person. She's just always been the absolutely funniest person around, but also, and I'm so happy you guys got to see this, and I hope other people can see this is that she's so warm and thoughtful and smart about people, and she's just genuinely a lifelong best friend and great human being. So, I'm so like happy. I'm so happy that more people are going to get to see that or hear that. She just has that energy that you like want to be around. Oh yeah. She's just one of those people. Like you just want to be around her. Yeah. She'll make anybody laugh. And she has been so supportive of our podcast. You all like, so we started this podcast a year ago at the beginning of the pandemic. And it was kind of like our project as therapist who we knew that no one was getting information out around parenting and having children during the pandemic. And so we just kind of launched this as family therapists. And she has been so supportive and so helpful. And she's, you know, she's got a great podcast, y'all. And it's like inspiring to watch her do it. And it's given me some courage to do this. So I'm thankful you guys are here with us on it. Yeah, I mean, why her her podcast is really funny and fun, and ours was, and we had her come talk to us about some parenting um, things that she's experienced. So it was fun to invite her kind of into our world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So take a listen. We hope you like it. We're talking about learning to trust your instincts as a parent. We get a little therapisty because we can't help it. And if you like the podcast, we typically do things like around parenting folks with eating disorders, or how do you identify ADHD in kids? Or how do we get through this insanely difficult time of the pandemic? How do you know if your kid needs a therapist? Absolutely. Yeah. So this is just one of the things that we're doing. We hope you like it. And oh, also on this podcast, we asked Caroline not to talk <laughs> not like that, but essentially like it's fine. It, well, three interviews we've learned is a lot for us because we're all therapists. So we all have a lot of questions. So you just can't get a rhythm going, guys, when you've got three interviewers and one interviewee. It's too much. <laughs> Caroline does pop in with probably the deepest truth bomb of everyone, like always, which is great. So take a listen. 
you can observe the way Caroline did. I'm just kidding. Thanks so much for listening. (laughs) We'll talk to you soon. Welcome to Podcast Therapist, presented by Virginia Family Therapy. I'm Sarah. I'm Caroline. And I'm Amanda. As three family therapists, we know how hard it is to feel like you're being the parent you want to be while juggling everyone's needs. We specialize in helping families just like you during the long days of multitasking and constant searching for the bar of success. Our podcast mixes expertise, real life advice, and embarrassing stories. Whose embarrassing story? (laughs) Yours. (laughs) Let's walk through this together. Welcome to Podcast Therapist. We're back. And Amanda and Caroline, are you excited today? Because, I mean, we've been waiting for this moment. We have totally been waiting for this moment. I'm personally honored and thrilled, Case, to have you here. Gosh, am I allowed to speak now? Hello. Yeah, go ahead. So we have Casey Wilson with us today. I'm so excited. Casey is the host of the funniest podcast I listen to, Bitch Sesh. Like one of the pioneers of podcasts, I think. The author of the book, The Wreckage of My Presence, a New York Times bestselling author here. And you can currently see her on the Apple TV show, The Shrink Next Door. Welcome, Case. We're so happy you're here. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Amanda, you and I have never worked in a professional context. I know I feel nervous because I'm like, oh, Casey really is a professional, but it's... <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm a professional. I showed up 10 minutes late and couldn't find how to turn my computer on and find a cord. So well, you, you are, are the professionals. I'm an actress, so <laughs> I have an excuse for any uh, flakiness. Hello, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for being here. And how long have you and Amanda known each other? Oh my gosh, we've known each other since third grade. Oh my gosh. True. That's awesome. plus years. Yeah. Yeah, Casey. Casey, can you give us some dirt on what Amanda was like as a kid or teens? Yes. And I've said this to so many people. Amanda was exactly the same. There is literally nothing different, including her haircut right now. Is that, I mean, it's not the best. It's fine. Is that true, do you think? Yes. Well, that's funny. Yes. But I mean that as a compliment, not like you haven't grown or changed. I think you were incredibly self-actualized as a young person and incredibly always buoyant, wanting to try things, curious, fun, a leader. I mean, you are the exact same person. And I find, I think that in a, in a complimentary way, not in a way that's like, oh, you're stuck in our... (laughs) Well, that's funny. (laughs) That's what I say about me being a therapist. I'm like, I'm the same in the room as I am out of the room. So what you see is what you get. It's all the same. I I love it. Yeah. Casey and I um, were in choir together in third grade, and we both got in trouble for singing too loud. Just both of us just competing with each other about who could be the loudest. I'm sure I won. I always (laughs) think about that choir because when we did Bambi, I, I was cast as Mrs. Magpie, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was Thumper's mom. Yeah. And my song was so kind of, is, what do you say, prescient? Is that what it is? Like it foretells the future? Yes. Where my song was, if you can't say something nice, shh, say nothing. Take a bit of good advice and shh, say nothing. And I've not taken that <laughs> bit of good advice. I'm a horrible person and I love gossip. But here you are offering advice because I said, we're not not an interview show, y'all. We are a show where we have experts come in to talk about all of the things. And actually, Case, I think you truly are an expert on 
how to talk. I do. Casey's giving me wide eyes, but I do think you are truly an expert a on human beings. Just so everyone listening knows, Casey like understands people in a way that is phenomenal just to me as a person. Like I don't, I'm always like, how does she do this when she doesn't, she's not a therapist yet. She understands people at like such a higher level. I could never listen that much. So I think that in general, you have a lot to offer like as an expert in that way, but also on what it's like to become a mom and trust your intuition as a mom and kind of learn how to trust yourself as a mom. And I'm super excited to talk to you about that journey because I think that you, it will just offer so much to our listeners. Oh, thank you, Amanda. I, I well, I'm so happy to be here and I hope something I can offer or help one person. Amanda. <laughs> oh, it will. It will. I mean that. Yeah, I'm sure it will. So do you want to talk to us a little bit about your experience discovering Max had celiac disease and what that was like for you kind of before you knew and and just your journey with that? Yes. So I have a, he's currently a six-year-old named Max. And when he was born, you know, obviously like a typical kid, I had a strange kind of start, I would say for parenting. I had really terrible postpartum. But also my mom had passed about 15 years ago. And so I did feel just very adrift. And so I hired a woman to help me. I kind of was in this mindset and I I did at the time work really long days. And so I needed someone to help me. And I hired a woman who I thought at the time was like hiring a grandma almost. But what I ended up doing was hiring a woman because I was like, oh, she knows more than I do. I don't know anything. And I I don't have my mom. So I really want to like hire someone who can teach me and tell me what to do. And it turned out to be truly the worst mistake I've uh, truly, I would almost say of my life because this woman was so kind of controlling and strange in, in the way that like she threw a birthday party, a first birthday party for my son that I got off work early by accident and came home and she was throwing it for him before I could throw him a party, like things that are so strange. And she was like, Oh no, it's just for the neighborhood kids. I'm like, well, those are the only kids I know, but she was truly very strange. Like I would bring home, you know, if I went to Target and got him clothes, she'd be like, oh, he doesn't wear that size anymore. And she was very much like wanting me to feel as though I were not, I was not. And she wanted him to call her grandma. I mean, it just got stranger and stranger until finally part of what we're talking about today, I think in terms of intuition, but it was almost like I just had no idea if I had any intuition around surrounding parenting. So I was like, I guess, I don't know. I need someone to help me. And how would I possibly find someone else? And maybe this is what I need. And just so not listening to the intuition of a million red flags. So I had her way too long. And what happened was, I think she was kind of like a weird barrier between my son and I in, in a weird way. But then coupled with that, when he turned about one and a half, I started noticing, and I know nothing about parenting and had read not one book, but I kind of noticed, and I talked to you about this man, and please guys jump in. I'm sorry, I'm doing monologue, but I noticed, and I thought this to myself, and I said it to my husband, and I would set it to like one girlfriend, and I think people kind of were like, what? I was like, he seems depressed, which is just, I think, a, a thing you don't attribute to a child, or I certainly had never, you know. I remember you saying that, though, Case. I do remember you saying that, and I, yeah. and I remember, I remember that person taking care of of Max. And it really was like, she's the person who's supposed to be leading me through this. I don't think it's right, but I also don't have anyone to confirm what I'm seeing. Like you were alone with it. I mean, David was there, but, but he didn't have the same sense that you had. 
Yes. And my husband, you know, we all, as you, I'm sure know from your practices, parents, largely, I think from our own issues, you know, and our own kind of childhood wounds and such. And, and with so much love to my husband, he has a family where it's like, everything's perfect, you know, and there's no problems. And they very nicely want that to be the case. My family, it was like, oh, everything's a problem because everyone's screaming at each other. <laughs> but, but also a lot of love. But I just felt like I know something's very wrong. And then in preschool, he would just be lying. I remember this mom called me. He just seemed lethargic all the time, tired all the time. He wouldn't really participate. But again, it's like people say, oh, they're parallel playing. He's not going to be out there playing. But then I would see him just literally lie down and watch kids playing and not even want to get out there. And then it was like, oh, no, he's shy. Oh, he's this. Oh, he's that. And I, you know, and then he turned two and then he turned three and it was just like similar things. And he kind of had was losing a little weight. He could never get his weight up. And I'm like, something is just very wrong. And we would go along like that. And then I remember this mom called me and she said, Hey, I'm putting together the yearbook for the preschool. And I just want to flag a little something for you. Like, do you have any photos that you want to submit? Because all the ones I have of Max, he's lying down and watching everything. And she literally was like, I don't have one of him standing up. And I was so shaken by this. I just knew exactly what she was saying. Cause I guess I kind of thought, well, maybe when he goes to preschool, he's like, up and about more. And, and then he would have bursts of energy. So finally we tried OT. Uh, we did that for a long time because he also had motor delays. And then he had a terrible seizure when we were on the highway. And, but I turned back and saw after the seizure, we didn't know what had happened. And so all of these things that happened that were kind of like, well, what is this? It was you know? like seven different things that kind mm-hmm. of came together, but no centralized understanding of it. Yes. No umbrella. Mm-mm. To put it under. And then the final kind of straw was, I remember we went, oh God, does it make me cry? But we went away with another family for like, you know, presidency weekend or whatever. And I just noticed he kept, he was eating less and less foods where he'd be like, I don't like that food. I don't like that food. But again, other parents are like, well, my toddler's picky and this is always going to be the thing. And, and then, but I was like, but he always eats pasta with butter. Like we all know that's our, like, we have that backstop if nothing else. And he would not eat it. And I just looked at him and he had like hollow, kind of like hollow eyes. And I'm like, I can, and his pants were kind of like really baggy. And I'm just like, I don't know much, but, but I know I love you. No, I don't know much, but I know that kids are not supposed to be losing weight. This is like very, so then I was like, oh, this is a health problem, you know, but all along the way, what I'll say is that I thought it was all due to the nanny that I hired to my working to my not really getting how to not liking to play as much or not um, understanding how to parent or trusting myself or all of these different things I really did put on myself. Whereas my husband, and I think men are not to generalize much more lucky this way. They're just kind of like, they don't take anything on as their problem. <laughs> he was like, whatever's going on, certainly not my fault. Number one, dad. <laughs> And no, I'm making him sound. He's such a wonderful dad and great person. But I think he was much more, he just didn't internalize what was happening. So finally took him to the doctor and our doctor, thank God, because celiac disease is very hard to diagnose. Some kids, some people aren't diagnosed with it until they're 30. It's one of those very tricky things. But he had done his residency with a woman um, who was in charge of a celiac, like whatever. I want to say division or wing, but that's these aren't the right medical terms, but <laughs> um, club. And so he got diagnosed with celiac and she said in every single thing you've been telling me comes under this one umbrella and it includes depression. That is like the major, major hallmark. 
but you know, when a kid can't talk, you don't know what it is. So you're just going off of feelings and that's what it ended up being. And sorry for such a long opening story. No, I think it's like a perfect story because I think it actually so many other parents will resonate with it in two actually different aspects. I think number one, just on a basic kind of how healthcare system works, it's like you go to seven different people and no one is going to put it all together for you. And it, it, it takes a lot of work to actually put it together. And I think that's one of the things that was particularly difficult about this for you as you were like finding this. And I think this other piece of doubting yourself the whole time, but knowing also something's very wrong. It was like, you know, something so strongly, but you're also then like immediately, well, I couldn't possibly know. But I think so many women too, when we become moms, we're meant to problem solve. So we start with ourselves a lot. Like you said, you were thinking, oh, it's the nanny I hired, or maybe I'm working too much. Like you not, it's not about being self-centered. It's really like, we're trying to problem solve. It's like a very honest place to go when you can't control other things Mm. where people start to go inside first. And so you were, but it was like this blaming theme. Yes. I'm doing something wrong to hurt my kid, which is, I mean, and then to walk around, like you might not identify that, but I think so many moms do walk around with that mm-hmm. feeling inside. Mm-hmm. Oh God, you're making me cry. You're a good therapist. What are you guys doing to me? Well, I always think then I want to, sorry, Case, this is literally not how we roll, but I think this is such an interesting thought is like, you were talking about how David, David wasn't taking it on as a problem because he knew you were, he trusted you, right? Like he yeah. trusted you when you were having a hard time like trusting yourself, which I think is so interesting too, which I don't know if that's like a normal dynamic, Sarah, what do you think? Is that a normal dynamic? Yeah. I mean, I think we, Sarah, are we normal? <laughs> totally. So I think we see a lot. Feel free to diagnose me with things along the way. We're going to just hold up cards and tell you what we think the diagnostic code is. And we're going to cast. so happy to take on any numbers and code. No, I think what you said, it, like when I read the article you wrote too, or the, the essay you wrote, like part of what really hit me was you said, you and your husband had gone through it together, but separately. And I think so many couples and married couples will talk about that when they're raising children, that when something is going kind of awry in some way, whether it's a behavior issue or a medical issue kind of, or a trauma occurs that, you know, we kind of forget, like we come together as parents and we're this team, but we kind of forget that we come from different places. So we're going to manage crisis in a different way. And it sounds like is even though you guys were connected, you can still feel very alone in that as a, as a partner. Yeah. And that can be also really hard as a parent, I think, um, if you because you're looking at the person that you're, you know, parenting with, and they're not reacting the same way. And yeah. you might yeah. be reacting kind of going, no, no, something's wrong. Something's really wrong. And you're, you know, your partner might be trying just to make you feel better and be like, it's fine. We're good. Yes. Which can almost be also anxiety provoking when it's not meant to be, of course. But that's, yes. I think it's really hard. Well, and also absolutely. And I so appreciate that. I also think, which I always get scared to say, because I'm so, I am afraid people such as yourselves, wonderful, learned people are going to tell me that something's very wrong with my attachment. Cause I don't know about attachment theory, but you know, my son was much more attached to my husband. And that was like a secret shame of mine where I'm like, I'm around more, I'm with him more, but he always had my husband as his kind of like security person, I think. And he definitely acted out with me more. So by when I looked at it, I don't really know what it is, but he was so, and and to this day, they kind of, it's become much more like, I think both of us, but that also was my, in my head, I'm like, well, I think most kids are supposed to be more attached to the mom. So, so this is what's causing this in some way. I kind of love that you just said that. I have to say, when I work with women that are pregnant, I, I say to them, 
you're going to have that baby. You're going to be lying in the room and it's really okay. If right after you have the baby, you're like, okay, my job here is done because you don't always feel that sudden connection and attachment that that can grow over time. Yeah. Well, I felt it for him, but I was like, does he feel it for me? And I don't want to paint a picture like he wouldn't come to me or anything. It just felt like when he was sad or upset, he went to my husband. That babysitter may not have helped that circumstance. No, she did not. No. Like just hearing, that's a sad story. That made me feel really awful for you. That must've been without like, again, first baby, you don't know. I know. And it's interesting because it's not something I would love to share because obviously, you know, there's so many women who can't even have any help. So it was a tough thing to be like, this woman that I'm able to have to help me is being mean to me. You know, it it was a strange circumstance. Um, It was like, I really overestimated how much help I would need. And it was like, I actually don't need this much. Like it was very strange, but I had this notion, like I can't possibly do this. Like I can do, you know, I'm an actress and I'm a writer, but this will be something I won't be able to do. I just like felt it. I knew it, which is strange. Now that I've had my second one and I'm in such a different place with it, I'm like, I don't know where that came from. Something about not having my mom made me so sure, like, because I won't have anyone to tell me what to do, I won't be able to do it. It I think that is so much more common than you think. You too. I I send case. I send your essays out. I send this essay out to actually a lot of moms who don't have their mom in their parenthood experience because it shows them that they're not alone and they're missing of their mom. That voice. I do think there's like a void in having that voice with you as you start parenting. Totally. And and by the way, it's like, but who knows if that would have been perfect either. It's it's like a fantasy that almost looms where you're like, well, no matter what's going wrong. I would have had this figured out if this person's there. And it's like, well, probably not. And, you know, many people have problems with their moms, whatever. It, it became almost this, like, every problem is circling back to this, that I don't have my mom, as opposed to like, well, maybe some would, but not, you know, all. The thing I know about Casey, like, just in general as a therapist, sorry, this is weird, Casey. Is this weird that we're like, therapisting no but i'm like the thing i know about you is that you are so good in relationships like guys this is casey's like central tenet of human beingness is that you are so good in relationships like there's nothing and relationships are central to who you are which is why you understand people so well like that's not well which is why it was so excruciating to feel that the most central relationship in my life there was something off But I also think a lot of it actually was that he was very sick. And so it was a lot going on. And I think, and you know, in, in your essay case, one of the things that you say is like, guess what? It wasn't me. Like it was, it actually, I mean, I'm sure it was too. (laughs) No, but listen, like I read that and I'm like, I'm like case, it was you. Cause you, you found the solution so much earlier than other people. You had you're you're actually so good relationally in your core that you sensed something was wrong and you you solved that problem. You know, you didn't just kind of let it sit. I think that that was the piece. It was you in a good way, not that it wasn't you. Yeah, and, oh, thank you. Know what you. I mean? Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting. The last thing is that, you know, he's my older son. So I think it also would have been much different if I'd had I'm circling around this word that I absolutely loathe when people use in terms of children. Um, there's no typical or normal. I, I really hate that word. I'm just saying that I think if there had been something that was, I was seeing my friends, I guess, and I say this and they say, I'm experiences I wasn't having with their kids, you know, and obviously all their kids were different, but like, you know, I think if it had been a little more typical, maybe I wouldn't have 
taken it so hard, but I was very much like, I don't know what I'm seeing. And so it's almost been a reverse with my younger son of like, Oh, Oh, okay. You're like, it's like when you know, some things you're maybe something's, I don't want to say missing out on something, but you're like, I know there's a different experience to be had here, which also is fine. Like, it doesn't mean that we all have to have the same experience. And I'm like such a proponent of people who have their different challenges with parenting that can be, are, are so beautiful, but I don't know. I just want to be careful. I'm I'm really not trying to say that any kid is normal or not normal whatsoever, but I didn't know anything but this, but I knew something Mm -hmm. was wrong. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's a gut thing too, though, that it's really hard when you aren't getting like validation from people, you know, like when you just can't find, you know, even if you're, I don't know about you guys, I didn't do a ton of reading about parenting, but I did have I had no problem going and paying a copay to a pediatrician to tell me my daughter was fine. <laughs> I would get nervous about that stuff, you know, if I felt like something was off or whatever. And so I, you know, I was fine letting someone else validate that for me. And I think that, you know, there's just so many things when you're trying to get through parenting, especially, if, you know, if you're juggling lots of other things like working too, that you just don't want to miss anything because you feel so committed as a mom. I mean, that's how yeah. most feel. And it's just, it, it is really stressful if you kind of just, something's gnawing at you. You just know something's not quite right, but you yeah. don't know what. Yes. It was very much living under a cloud. I really felt it. Like I'm out and I'm doing things, but you know, when something's not going right with your child, be it emotional or whatever, you know, it feels very heavy. I think it, it's always there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Did you know much about celiacs before he was diagnosed? Or- oh my God, no, I didn't even know what he was saying when he said it. And Ultimately, it's incredibly relieving diagnosis because it's autoimmune and it's not curable, but there, it's a pretty, very simple, you know, it's like take all gluten out, which given what other things I kind of was like, oh, it could be, I mean, it, I was very relieved, but no, I did not know about it. And our doctor said, you know, in six months, this is going to be a different kid. And I was kind of like, I mean, it really was almost, I mean, it was a miracle because she was so right. Almost six months to the day. Everyone I know has commented when they see him, everyone would comment. I mean, a, a, a security guard at like someplace we used to go commented that he just had like a light in his eyes. He was, and he always had his essence, but he really is a different child. Well, I think that's the the part about Max in particular. Like, I yeah. think you saw that he had the light in his eyes. He might've been like lying down on the ground, but he, mm-hmm. genuinely guys, this child has a light in his eye. <laughs> And the way he, like, I've never seen a child flirt silently more than Max, kind of. Like, he's just so flirty. You're like, oh, Max, come sit with me. Like, he's adorable, y'all. And and, But that light was there, and it's almost like you've given the light to his body, right? Like, he can now kind of embrace it and be the kid he wants to be, too, which is so beautiful for him. Absolutely. And... Yeah, I, I, you're exactly right. There was, of course, I don't want to, you know, make it seem as though he was never, you know, but I would see these like bursts of energy and spirit. And I'm like, I do feel those are like someone trapped inside, like trying to get out. And it kind of honestly ended up being what it was because celiac disease is when you're not getting nutrients to your body. So if you think about for me, if I don't have like anything to eat by a certain time, I'm like screaming at people and having like road rage. And so, and he also had tons of tantrums and, and these are the things, you know, when you don't eat, you feel horrible. So this is like one of the things I think that's useful for all parents, right? So this, like your story is about finding out that Max has celiac disease. And and like I said, we don't do interviews with authors regularly, Case. You're our expert. 
So, and a producer, guys. She's also a producer of a a great short film called Daddio. It's yeah. so funny, guys. Anyway, it's called director, Amanda. Oh well, oh director. Well, you know, yeah. it, it's you don't know the terms. Of, we don't know the terms of each other's business. No, so we that's don't. Why I'm excited noticed. to be here and and learning. Well, my whole I thought about it is essentially like in life, there's always going to be problems, right? And and as a parent. Our job is to see the problems, roll with them, and try to solve them because we're yeah. never going to prevent all the problems of our children as much as we want to. And that's not good, right? No, it's absolutely like that's helicoptering, or now they call it snow plowing, right? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, snow plows. Like, it is not our job to prevent all the problems of our children. It is our mm. job, even as a human being, to when we feel a problem, to try and solve it right? To try and actually actively solve the problems with our children, with ourselves, with other human beings, right? And I think that that's what you did is you saw this problem, it was sitting with you, and you actively tried to solve it. And I think that 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 highlights, I think as a person, even for me dealing with my own problems, like what am I pushing under the rug? What am I avoiding? Because I can't deal with my own shit right now. What am I kind of saying? Like, not right now. I'll deal with that at another time because there's a pandemic and I don't have the energy and that's okay. And what am I actively trying to solve? Right? Like, I think that that is the job of us as parents. And I think that your story really highlights that. Well, it's so interesting. And I I had this, I think it was in this essay, maybe a different one in the book, but I was at a a, a 12 step meeting actually for something. And I, I was talking about my son when I, before I knew what was going on and I was like upset and I left and I was in my car and this girl was raining, like chased down the car. And she was like knocking on the car window. And I was like, a little scared. And then I, I rolled down the window and she just said something that was so profound to me. I thought she said, I just want to quickly say to you, I'm so sorry about you. She's like, I just want to say your son has his own higher power. And, and it was so unbelievable because, and obviously, you know, some people were, not, you know, I'm spiritual, I'm not religious, but there was something to this notion of like, someone is there something greater for yours at least for my I believe my child's soul is out there there's someone else helping perhaps or he's being guided in some way that is is beyond what a parent can do and we can't do everything is I guess whatever you take from the spiritual meaning of it of kind of like we can't take on every single thing you mm-hmm. know in some ways there is some like letting go you have to do which is the tenets of the 12 steps it's like you're letting a, a power greater than yourself help and there was something very relieving about that. Cause I was like, I do feel alone. I frankly, I'm going to take what this woman's saying that hopefully there's someone out there helping me <laughs> or guiding him. That's, that's, there's only so much you can do too. I think this was a lucky situation that there was something very concrete to do, but as he's gotten older, I'm running into things where I'm like, I don't think there's anything I can do about this as maddening as that is. I mean, it does get more complicated. Sarah has a 17 year old. And so, Oh my God, you look so young. Oh my gosh. Thank you. It's all the day drinking. Uh, yeah. You think it gets harder? I think it gets, you know what? It's, oh boy. I, it depends. I think I was more anxious when she was little. Yeah. It's in a lot of ways. I think I've actually gotten less anxious as she's gotten older, but the things are bigger. It's almost like the teenagers are a lot like toddlers, but their toys are more dangerous. If that makes sense. Oh God. Yeah. So they still like kind of want you around, but don't want you around and are trying to be super independent, but now they drive. I think there's this piece, like as they get older, some of the problems that we're kind of talking about become their personality. Right. And like, Mm -hmm. we all know my children and they have a lot of energy 
and sometimes um, touch all the things and jump on all the things and break all the things, even if they're very large children. Um, But like, that is just their challenge and that's who they're going to be. And so my job is like, as, as this is a problem that we're kind of struggling with, it's also who they are. And so how do I like work with that and try to help them learn from it? And I accept it because I love my children, no matter what, I'm not trying to take it away from them, but maybe massage it and make him break fewer. Hand it down. (laughs) Yeah. But it's like, you know who they are when they're older. Well, right. And when they're little, you're kind of guarding them from the world. And as they get bigger and older, you're kind of helping them understand the world differently because they're going to be who they are. So they're navigating. So you kind of want to be on their team as they navigate. But it's still, yeah. I mean, there's, I think as parents, like we always, I think it doesn't matter how old they are. I think watching your child suffer is the worst. So I I can't imagine having a little one, like you said, just kind of where, you know, he did, he just didn't feel good and you could tell it was something. And I think that part's hard, no matter how old they are. Yeah, absolutely. Case, what does it feel like? Because I think this is about you as a parent kind of realizing that you, you were onto something and your voice and learning how to trust your own voice as a mom. This is a concrete story to how you got there. In, in many ways, but what is that? What else contributed to that feeling? That's a hard question. Sorry. Well, that was loaded. Like, I think this story is kind of like, I didn't trust myself, you know, when he was born and then we yeah. got this diagnosis and now I trust myself and I know it's yeah. not that simple. Right. 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 Cause I think the thesis of the story really is how did I, how did I learn to trust myself? And I just didn't know if you know what other pieces kind of led into you being able to trust yourself. My gosh, that's a good question. I have one idea, actually. I have an answer. I think Bear. I think having Bear, probably. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Second, I think that's Mm -hmm. one of them. Yeah, second. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to ask how Max informed your parenting of Bear. Poor bear. I mean, he really gets nothing. And I, I really, that's something I, I have taken on this year. Like my new year's resolution was like to give my four-year-old a play date. <laughs> like he is this, and maybe it's more classic second child, you know, but I could just put him like truly under a rock for school, you know, or whatever. Like he's just so different. He would just be truly fine. Although I think I sort of over had that feeling. And now that's sort of biting me a bit because he's so stubborn now. And so kind of he is the most stubborn child. I don't know what to do if anyone has any thoughts. Like he's so contrary. And if I say hi, he goes, uh, bye. <laughs> like, and no matter what you say, he says the opposite, but to that degree. And it's so annoying. And I love him so much, but it's so interesting because he and I were so close, probably his first three years. And now he's kind of gone over more to my husband's side of things. But it's so different now because I'm like, great, I have to, you know, but gosh, how is this even, but you're right, having him or something about that experience was so much more free because also you just don't have the time to, to devote mm-hmm. to the second one. And he just was so easy, I think, that I'm almost now it's catching up with me. I'm like, oh, maybe it wasn't quite as easy as I thought or isn't now because everything seems so easy compared to Max. So I'm Oh, no, to your, I'm not answering your question, but now I'm like, oh, I actually need to like give some real thought to what's going on with my younger son, actually. 
That didn't answer. No, but I think that goes right into the thing about like solving the problems and we can't solve them all at once. We just have to try to pay attention. I almost think this is a podcast about mindfulness guys is kind of like slowing they keep down coming, those problems and yeah, yeah they're going to keep on coming, right? They keep like on coming. they sure do. So that's what Sarah says. My little guy has gotten, he's, you know, as you can tell, I'm skirting around it, but I'm quite spiritual and I live in LA and I'm an actress. These are going to, you're going to get the hippie qualities that are going to come out in LA, you know, a lot of healers, like all that stuff. My little guy has taken on this, like, he likes all this spiritual stuff. And that's been kind of a fun thing to do where we'll pull, a, not like a tarot card, but like an Oracle card every night with like an animal on it. And, and he'll hold these cards. He's four. And he'll say, universe, what would you want me to know? <laughs> and it kills me. And then he pulls a thing and it'll be like compassion. And he's like, okay, thank you. Or it'll be like confidence. And he pulls his little card and so he's kind of like my, my little spiritual buddy. I mean, he did tell me he's been in touch with the other side. And that's another podcast. But um, I don't even know. Now I'm rambling. I'm sorry. But yes, know, there's new things that come up every... I know the answer again, Case. I'm going to ask a question and then answer it for you, which is obviously... Please, great. please. But also like you, but you answered the question, which is you're constantly working on things. You're, you're going to healers. You're like, I've heard you say in other podcasts, you go to therapists, like, you know, you're open about that. Like you're constantly working on stuff, you know? Well, and here's the one other thing. Yes. I am, if nothing else in my life, someone who will reach out for help, you know, if I have an acting role and I need help on it, or I'm not someone who feels bad at inform about information I don't have. Like I'm so fine with like, Oh, I don't know that. Let me help find someone who will help me. And so that has really served me. However, where it did not serve me as a parent is when you're scattershot, just like everybody else knows better than me. And then you're like taking on so much information. And, and that's been my journey as a human too, which is like, you know, I'm 41. I think I do know best actually now about my son and to a degree, of course, I'm still want help. But there's something, this goes back to trusting your intuition of like, actually, sometimes less people weighing in has been more helpful for me than more, which is my normal kind of like all opinions welcome. Mm -hmm. You know, someone else knows best has always been my kind of like thought process. No, I think that makes total sense. Which has its ups in it, but it's had its downs with parenting in a way. I think that makes total sense. And I think it's smart to be aware of that, right? Like, I think, I think just saying that out loud is actually probably useful for a lot of people. Well, I always used to not mock people who, who read parent books. And again, all of the, the judgments I've had about people have bit me in the ass and they've always known better. But like, you know, I have friends who like for their preparation, they're reading all these books and this and that. And I was always kind of like, I don't know, I'll wing it, which again did not serve me. But now I really enjoy the parenting books because it's like, you take what you want from it, but it's almost less aggressive than someone sitting down with you and being like, well, you tried this and are they this? And, and this is not to say any of these professionals were aggressive, but I was hearing everything I was hearing was like what I've done wrong. Like with every question, I was just not in the space to, I don't know. It was interesting. But you can choose because you're right. Like, and we always say like in our practice that parents are the experts on their kids, right? They just are. Parents are the experts on their kids period. And so now you can choose as the expert for your children, what applies and what doesn't, and that's your choice. Right. And that's, and that, it sounds like that's a little bit of what you have gained as well. Yeah. I have another question, Sarah, do you have, oh. another, I mean, I have another one. Let Sarah ask some. I have to be honest. I'm, 
the part I keep going back to just that you said that you were really open about talking about was your first babysitter. And I think I share that with you. My child was injured in, in by babysitter five days into care. So I share that kind of trauma with you where you really trust and you think you're hiring their person. And when something doesn't go well, you feel like you did it yeah. or that you made that mistake. And yeah. that's a pretty heavy lift for, for a mom to feel or any parent to feel. And it, you know, I think it's, but I don't think I'm it's, I'm sorry un- to hear that. Thank you for saying that. I, th- I, but I don't think it's uncommon. I think that, you know, we sometimes we're so vulnerable at that time as parents yes. that we see people that we think will be helpful and we don't always know. And I think that's the other yeah. piece that's hard about this sometimes, yeah. but it sounds like you're, or pers- you think you need one thing and you, yeah. You have no idea. My my girlfriend said something interesting. She said with babysitters, you always level up because the more you go on with your kids, you're like, oh, actually, this is what they might need, or this is what I need, actually. And it's such a tough position to to be in as a caregiver that comes into your home. You know, that's it's all complexities too. About you know, I've had so many wonderful women really like helping me through this parenting journey because I you know have had to, and I'm so grateful for all of them. But like yeah, you just don't know what you need. Or sometimes you make a mistake with a hire, it just happens. And, but yes, it's so easy to turn it around on yourself in that regard. You all, I had this babysitter that I I did, you know, I only hire when I hire babysitters, I go under the heading home organizers. And then I say, we'll also provide childcare. So I had asterisk. Uh-huh. So I had this babysitter who like, of course, after like six months after we've used her, my kids are like, man, we hated her. I would come home. The house was spick and span. She would lock them in their bedrooms and make them write sentences like I'm going to clean my bedroom 50 times while she would clean the whole house. That's Why did literally- you just have them clean their bedrooms? Why are they writing about it? Let's at least get those rooms clean. I was kind of like, and at that point I was literally like, well, you know, different people do things differently. And this is kind of what I, exactly. like, when, You're like, oh, okay. but when I walk home, I can parent with full effect because this house is so clean. I don't have to stress. I'll tell you, Amanda, she sounds like a great babysitter <laughs> for me, especially. Like, I like I, her methods. Yeah, it actually, it was, I, yeah, go. I'm going to say one thing. <laughs> I think you guys are all making such a good point that you're all parenting differently and it's working, right? Like everyone's going to have their own style. We're all different moms and your solution for one problem, Casey might be different than Amanda's and different than Sarah's. And that's all fine. Right. I think we get so caught up in like, am I doing it right? Am I I doing it the way this person's doing yes, it. And it's like, yes, no, but you're doing it the way that your kid needs it. And you're doing it the way that's your style and your intuition. And like, that's what your kid needs. Well, no, I so agree with that. And what's interesting is I'm laughing about, you know, the house being clean because Amanda, you have expressed so many times that for you to be a better parent and have your energy, we all are energized by a clean home. And you're able to parent better. And like, I'm laughing about it because it's just funny the way you talk about it. But like, it's true, you know, that, so I see why you did that. Of course, you know, it's, it's, you were like, I'll be a better mom when I don't feel just such chaos around me. Now, look, it's not great. She was locking them in their rooms, you know, but like, no, look, is it still the same problem six years later? I just have labeled the problem. And now I have one person that helps me with my kids and another person who cleans the house. And that's Sometimes fine. it's just about division of yeah, neighbor <laughs> and people. Which Casey has done a nice job of schooling me on for real. That's something like I go to Casey with my problems about how to manage that for sure. Cause Casey 
knows how to run like a nice, like a nice hey, home shit. for your children. <laughs> no, you run like a, such a nice, you have such a nice home for your kids and you, oh, thank you. Yeah, you totally do. But look, I I'm very lucky. I'm, I have help and yeah, but you know, I I'm very big on systems and getting systems in place for things. And then, and, and also, um, I'm a big believer in, in, in outsourcing. And I don't even mean that like in the way of like, oh, you have to have all of this money, but, or just like knowing one's strengths, I guess. Would yeah. Be the thing. That's what and I kind mean. Kind of like cooking is not my strength. I've come to peace with that. I don't even like, it's just not like, I don't know what to tell anyone, you know, I'm not going to sit here and beat myself up every second. Well, and I'm not going to beat myself up that I can't happen to have like two towels that match, but I'm going to, now I'm going to try and start finding a way to solve that problem. Case. Okay, I have one last question. And this is actually like a hard one. It's kind of buy some more towels, man. Yeah, I do need to. I know, but getting on Amazon is hard for me. It's fine. But here's my getting on Amazon is hard for you. Yeah, that's the level of in it. Like wow. See, to me, that's the the easiest possible stuff. Those are the things that really like make they stymie you. Oh, they do. Yeah. You know that. Like yeah. Well, I know. Have you shared with your listeners your biggest thing you're stymied by? Cutting up vegetables? Is that what I'm always like, the amount of time Amanda has talked to me about her issues surrounding cutting up vegetables is amazing. It I'm makes like, me laugh so hard, I but I get it. Mom. You feel, you feel if you could have fresh cut veggies in the fridge, I feel like you think like I'll have made it as a mom, as a human, as a businesswoman. Yes. like for whatever reason you've put a lot on that fantasy yes. goal and I want it for you. Know. You know what? Now that you say that, Casey, I have to say, Caroline, you and I have heard Amanda reference the chopped vegetables before, right. and I don't think I realized the depth of that value to Amanda. I remember Amanda discovering that Wegmans has pre-chopped <laughs> vegetables <laughs> that you can purchase. <laughs> they're more expensive, but Wegmans has like the pre-chopped vegetables that then they're in your fridge chopped. Caroline, so you're telling me, Caroline, that there are solutions that we've identified are out there. We're still having a little trouble. It's it's a hard thing. It is. But guys, I actually, maybe this is my time. Once again, I say it every two weeks, I'm going to find a solution to this problem, which this is not an ad, but daily harvest might be that. I'm not lying, guys. I get those little cups. I dump them in the blender. Yeah. That might be my solution. You guys, I might be a different. You know, I'm so sorry. I thought these cut up vegetables were for your kids, but is this for you? Yes, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. Yes. Oh my God. I mean, I would have kept this off the parenting podcast. Right? Sorry, I assume they're for your children. Wait, here's my question, which is <laughs> okay. Now that we've, you've really, you kind of come full circle, right? As you've yeah. talked about it and like learning how to trust yourself, which is what does that actually feel like? And I know that's a crazy question to, to think about because it's a, no, big it's question, a but good what, question. What does it feel like? I have to say, I don't know if this is turning 40 or, or just all the events we just talked about. I think a lot of it might've been turning 42 though. I do just feel like much more in reality, much more in the moment with my kids. I, I did start meditating last year. That's really helped me with parenting. And it's so boring. Like whenever people tell me that, I'm like, shut the up, <laughs> you know, but it's helpful. I just, sometimes when people give advice, it's like, here's all the things you need to do. You're like, oh, please. But it's been so helpful with parenting for me to just kind of not be as annoyed and to be enjoying things more. And I don't know. And something just did fall away when I turned 40 in general of, of like, oh, that problem might never get solved, actually. Mm-hmm. Those veggies might never be in the fridge, Amanda. <laughs> and I don't want to say that to 
manifest bad energy around them because I want them there one day. Well, they're in the freezer with daily harvest right now. So, so it sounds like you have solved that problem, Amanda. Guys, two weeks ago, I solved it. Two weeks ago. Like, okay, I don't know what to with that. You were saying this might be the solution, but we have the solution. Let's hope. We can all change and grow based on people like you guys. <laughs> it's a subscription model, guys. They really got me. It'll get you good. Yeah, it will. So, so, but you've noticed it. Like, it does sound like you actually. Uh, yes, a very profound shift. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah, honestly, for me, you know, and I, I work and something about, I get so much satisfaction out of my career, but in my twenties and thirties, you know, as an actress, you can imagine there's a lot of rejection. It's a lot of hustling and a lot of, you have a job and then you don't have a job and then you have a job and you don't have a job. So it's very anxiety producing. And also something of turning 40, I'm like, oh, I, I can settle in and register that this is what my career is like. I can kind of calm down. I've achieved certain things. I've been lucky enough to where, yes, do I have professional disappointments that maybe I'm not, you know, Rachel McAdams or whatever, but I'm like, oh, but that's okay. I'm this. And I have something about my career settling down has helped my parenting where I'm like, oh, I actually can spend more time with the kids. I don't need to run off and do that thing. You know, I can... And that's a, a huge luxury. But before I was like, I always have to be hustling. And then I'd be like, well, oh God, I wish I was spending a little more time with the kids. And I don't know. I, I've just opened myself up to that more of like that panic is not there as much. It's certainly there to make money and all of that, but it's not there as much anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we talk about that in the podcast a lot. Just what you're saying, Casey, just like find the time and the space and crack the door open with the kids so that you know, you can walk through it and spend time with them, but also as they get older, so they can walk back through it to talk to you about things that are, you know, in their world at the time and Mm -hmm. putting the time in, it doesn't always have to be perfect. I I think a lot of us start out parenting with a lot of ideas. Um, (laughs) A lot of ideas. Yeah. And the reality is really different. So different. I'll check in with you guys in like five to 10 years on how parenting is going. Amanda and I cannot wait till Caroline has her children because she does not have children yet. But Amanda and I have thought of really lovely ways to disrupt that for Caroline. And mm-hmm. no, no, to make it perfect for you, Caroline. I mean, I can't wait to come. It's almost home. comical what to me, the universe will like throw at me of the things that I was like, what I won't be doing as a parent, like, you know, like what you'll never see me do is put up a, a screen at dinner when we're out at a restaurant. Now I'm like, take your iPad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or whatever. It just the rules fall away, you know, and some humbling. Stick, but they, it's humbling. It's so humbling. Yeah, I'm out there judging in these streets. Believe me, as a child psychologist married to a child psychiatrist, it's real humbling. Oh, real humbling. But we're all in it. But that's what makes us human. And that's why, yeah. like, learning and learning how to trust ourselves and figuring out what problems and when we can kind of go for them and how to problem solve them with our, with our children, I think is just all we can do. It's all we can do. And that's the best we can do. Right. And we have to be okay with that. It's hard. Yeah. I so love that you shared so much Casey too, through your writing, because I think it's so easy to look at people who are actors and actresses and are in Hollywood and just think that their lives are so perfect. And so I think it's, I mean, I so appreciate you willing to be, you know, willing to share the things that you do share in the stories you're sharing, sharing time with us today in this way, because I, I it's so important for us to realize it's everyone. 100%. And 
I'm going to actually plug a book that's a friend has just written for about parenting. It is truly the most transcendent book I have ever read. It's my one of my best friends, Jesse Klein, just wrote a book. It's available for pre-order and it's called I'll Show Myself Out. And she had a New York Times bestselling book called You'll Grow Out of It. And this is called I'll Show Myself Out. And I just read it and it's about motherhood. And and honestly, like how hard it is. And it's it's a it's a I don't want to say a darker look at motherhood, but this is not a book you have read before. And the opening chapter is called The Hero's Journey. And it is about likening motherhood to the Odyssey, yes. And it is about how motherhood is that journey. And we are all like on this beautiful journey and how hard it is. And that even being on the journey, we have done it. It's so beautiful. I can't even, I'm like crying thinking about it, how beautiful it is. It it makes me cry. It's so good. She also wrote a famous essay called Get the Epidural in the New Yorker, which is an incredibly amazing article. But to your point, Sarah, I have really learned from Jesse because she wrote her book before mine, sharing truths. You first, you're like, oh God, are people going to think this? And they're going to think that. And then you read it and you're like, I wrote Jesse, I called her hysterically crying after I read that essay. And I said, I've truly never been seen like this in my Aww. life as a mother. And it's so beautiful to just share with each other, like the ups certainly. And I actually wish we'd all share the wins more than, you know, mm-hmm. the downs. Cause I think there's also, it's like a little taboo to be like, God, this great parenting moment I had, or my kid did this wonderful thing. You know, we're just used to kind of bitching, I think, which I love too, but sharing is so, it helps me so mm-hmm. much. Case, how can people find you? You have really like, really guys, don't you see how good <laughs> she is with people? Like, isn't her understanding of people like amazing? I know. I think Kate. that's why you're so good at what you do. I mean, that's why oh I, you can play so many different roles. I bet. Oh, thank you. Producer and director. Um, oh, those two. Sorry. <laughs> I was just thinking about on screen. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. Um, I, oh gosh, where you can find me is, I guess, on Instagram, uh, Casey Rose Wilson. You guys, you can see her on The Shrink Next Door, which is about a therapist who essentially like ruins the one of his clinicians' lives. Makes- I'm sure I'm happy to plug The Shrink Next Door. Go to therapy, everybody. I'm just kidding. Sorry, oh my everyone. gosh. That show made me so uncomfortable to watch. It's so upsetting. Um, but <laughs> I am the biggest proponent of therapy, but that, that one therapist went a bit awry. But look, we all have our, you know, <laughs> People that don't represent us well. Just that one therapist. <laughs> I mean, no one likes actresses, so I, you know, I'm used to it. And I do like Paul Rudd. I'll say that. Okay, Case, this was a delight. This was a dream. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Oh, worse anytime, Case, anytime. If y'all want to learn more about Virginia Family Therapy, you can find us at www.virginiafamilytherapy.com or on our Instagram page at Virginia Family Therapy. Thanks so much, y'all. Thanks, Case. Thanks, guys. Love you.